And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Podcast. Welcome back, guys, to the Fighting Fit Show. Another week, another podcast. Myself and Chris are here. Chris is just back from a week of holidays. How are you feeling, Christy? I'm feeling good. Body clock's a little bit messed up. Other than that, it's good. Burning the candle pool ends, yeah. Actually, no, just was, one end. Just, just one, one end. end. Just one of the That's it. Hilarious. So, uh, yeah, did you do anything interesting, fun, any workouts? Um, No. No workouts. Just uh, just some like weight sessions in the gym. That's it. Like a uh, benching, squatting. No uh, CrossFit style sessions. No conditioning. Just 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 five out, one hour sessions probably. Yeah. No work. That's no work done in Chris's book. Fair play, to Chris. Yeah. So yeah, let's get stuck into our questions, guys. If you lot have any questions for us, feel free to plug them in the comment sen- section of any one of the socials. We'll do our best to answer them on the very next podcast. Chris, do you get asked any questions very frequently that you can rhyme off the top of your head or will we get stuck into the questions that we've already... Um, yeah, of course. Uh, first one, how do I lose fat here? Oh, I just don't like this. Oh, this is my problem area. How do I do this? get that yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially someone who has been like on the journey, they've been losing weight and then they're left with a little pouch uh, at the end, just below the belly button and they're always just saying, how do I get rid of this? How do you get rid of it? I don't know. How do you get rid of it? What do you do? What do you do? I every time someone comes to me, I'm like, I don't know. What are, what are you supposed to do? I hope that's not what you say to <laughs> No. Oh um, no, it's just continue to calorie deficit. Just continue to keep doing what you're doing. If you've lost weight to this point, like don't change anything, just keep it going. It's working. Like there's no reason to be worried about it. Everyone loses weight in different areas at different rates. It's largely determined by your genetics and uh yeah, there's no real way. You can't do a lot of crunches to reduce belly fat. You can't do a lot of curls to reduce fat in your arm. You can't uh, You can't decide where you want to lose the weight. It just happens. Yeah, true enough. Something actually else that I just kind of, on, on the back of that is people, something I was thinking of an awful lot during the week is body types. And so body types really has been kind of playing on my mind in the last few months. And one of the things that I kind of break it down to now is essentially it's like, Chances are, if you're overweight, you've got a large appetite, and chances are, if you're, you know, skinny fat or just skinny, you know, you don't have a large appetite. It really is generally that simple. And so you have to either work with or work against your appetite. And so, you know, some people, I'm not sure if you ever seen that that show. Is it My Six Hundred Pound Life or something like that? Mm-hmm. These people can eat like some of the the most ridiculous amounts of food and i just thought if we could just get you to love exercise my god you'd be a fucking fantastic bodybuilder so you just love food like you imagine like no problem with your protein like a fucking powerlifter you'd be absolutely insane if you could just eat like on the bulk obviously i mean you might struggle a little bit with the cut you know but like, an awful lot of people i know like their issue is generally they just don't eat enough food and there's some people out there with a massive talent for eating food like i, I know i can struggle to get in you know enough calories consistently and then there's other people who just struggle to cut back on calories. And so obviously everybody's dealing with their own set of problems. And the issue with the, the the belly pouch is that you've reached your limit. You don't want to 
go without any more calories. You don't want to go any further into the deficit now because the body is starting to kick back at you now. It's starting to, like, for example, if you notice that you get really far down into a deficit and you're starting to feel really lean, some of your overweight friends might feel like that an awful lot of time. Like, their appetite is just large. Like, they just have a big appetite. Like, you might be able to just generally go without calories. Oh, I can skip a meal, no problem. It's like, well, if you get far enough into a deficit and you just kind of start obsessing about food, it's like, well, welcome to the world of hunger hormones and you know your body's starting to work against you and then some of it obviously again it's just bad habits and people just can't break the habit well something that i find um pretty funny is that i i started training with my friend ed uh, last year and uh, eddie has the obstacles to me he's basically like trying to bulk and trying to put on as much muscle as possible for it and i was trying to cut and what was really, really funny, because like we'd hang out and stuff like that, well, he'd, show, he'd send me pictures of his food, he'd, uh, tell me about all the stuff that he's doing. And like he would do the exact opposite of what uh, someone who was overweight trying to lose weight would do. So like all his plates were like packed with vegetables, like absolutely packed with it. Like his nutrition was excellent in terms of like losing weight, but it wasn't full of you know, like calorie-dense foods. Yeah. He was just eating really, really well like all the time, yeah. but he was really, really lean. And um, he found it really hard to just get so much food in. I'm like... Dude, like half your plate is vegetables. Like you yeah, can replace them with carbs. Yeah, you can fill them with carbs. Like it doesn't need to be um like it doesn't need to be that nutritious. But in saying that, like he does care really care about his nutrition, all that does too. So um But even just one of one of the easiest tips in that situ- situation is just you just need to start drizzling all your food in extra virgin olive oil. It's like it's like that yeah, that, that, that that them vegetables could be so much more calorie dense. How are you making them? It's like saute them, you know, stop steaming them in. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But uh, I also think that it's still really good that he he is uh, keeping his vegetable intake high. It was also one of my one of my housemates as well. He uh, is the same. He's trying to gain weight as well. And his food, all his meals packed full of vegetables, and that would have been like really, really natural and normal to him. Versus someone who let's say would struggle with um, overeating, they would eat lots of processed foods. They would eat lots of foods that are really, really easy to overeat. Like if I have a plate of, let's say, you know, like chicken, rice, and then loads of broccoli, you know, and I start munching through the broccoli first, I'm not going to get too far through the um, the rice and the chicken as well. Yeah, that's why I leave all my vegetables to last and then end up not eating them. Not uh, so that's so um, eating, if you want to lose weight, one of the best things you could do is just like stuff your plate full of vegetables. Start like shit, like take away some of the, some of the other, let's say, macros. Uh, like reduce the air portion size and increase the portion size of something that's a little bit more uh, less calorie dense. Chris, I don't like vegetables. Um, what what you should like, I? Do? You don't like wait there, wait there. You don't like you don't like all vegetables. You hate all vegetables. I I'll eat carrots. Great. What else will you eat? I'll eat so, there's a cool there's a cool coaching thing that you can do, um, which is like you create like food lists and um, it's like A, B, and C. So A is these are ones that you like and you'll eat and you have no problem eating and they're grand. B is like maybe. So you, you're like, I haven't really tried in a few years. Not sure if I like it, not sure if I won't. And then there's ones that are like, definitely not. not C is like, I'm definitely not going to eat that ever. Hate it. And like, you just start categorizing the foods like that. And then all of a sudden, you have a list of like, let's say four or five vegetables that you like in group A. You've got a list of maybe five vegetables in, or even just two or three in group B. And then in group C, you have all this big long list of all the vegetables you hate. So it's like, see the ones you don't like. The ones you don't like. What's your group A? Uh, group A, I like carrots. I like broccoli. I like cauliflower. Um, I'm sorry, I like onions. I like um, sal- like loads of salad leaves. Like 
what else do I like? What other vegetables are there? I don't really like courgettes. Um, I hate tomatoes. I don't like mushrooms. You're on uh, what stuff you that's on. Sorry, I'm trying. I'm just my brain's going over the place. So, uh, group group A probably like all the 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 main ones like carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, um, cabbage, cabbage. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go out of my way to eat it, but it'd be like I, I'd like I wouldn't say no to it. If I had cabbage bake, I'd be like happy days. Is that B? Is that group B then? No, no, that would still be group A. Like I don't really vent against it. So group group B would be peas. Uh, don't really, not a big fan of peas. Um, what else do I not really like? Uh, in terms of vegetables, that's that's pretty much it. That's that's my group. That's my group. Uh, B. Right. Peas, yeah. What do you not like? So I hate tomatoes. I hate tomatoes. I hate um mushrooms. They're ones that I just will never eat. I tried a few times, and every time I go back, oh, here we go. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. You don't. You hate mushrooms. You hate button mushrooms. <laughs> what, what other mushrooms do you like? Um, well, I I don't know to be honest. I don't I don't. Know. I'm really joking, but I mean, like, it's a it's a great it's a great tool. Like for toxic, we do the same thing with mushrooms. It's like, and then even it's like, oh, you don't like boiled mushrooms? How about fried mushrooms? You like fried mushrooms? How about you know X, Y, or Z? It's like there's lots of different things. It's like just saying bit broadly, I hate it. It can be very, very limited. But it, no, one hundred, one hundred percent. And what I want to, what I want to, under, what I want to get across here is that it's absolutely fine to have foods that are like I don't like that, I don't want that. And if you like every so often, your palate does change over time. And I do like every so often, I'll like try it again to be like, ah, maybe my opinions change. But mm. every single time I do, like I'll have mushroom soup or something like that, or I'll have to a mushroom. So if you get a fry or something like that, then you get like yeah, a fried yeah. mushroom as well. I'm just like, this doesn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah, really, really doesn't. Nails on a plate to me, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, good, good. What's your, what's in your A list? My A list, jeez, what? Because you used to hate veg, used to hate vegetables, you used to never eat vegetables at all. If it wasn't pizza toast, you'd need it. It's true. What will I eat? I'll eat peppers, onion. I'll eat red onion. That's two types of onion. I'll eat moose salads. I'll eat carrots. I'll eat cabbage as well. Lettuce. What else will I eat? What else? I'll eat it if it's chopped up small enough, to be honest. <laughs> uh, what about beetroot? Beetroot. That's, get on that C-list. Get out of here, beetroot. Peas. Peas will be on my A-list. Sweet corn will be on my A-list. Yeah, sweet corn's on my A-list as well. Love sweet what, else? what else? Peppers. Oh. Mixed peppers are on my A-list. I like, mix, I like, pe- like peppers. Um, <clears throat> I did so... a week yesterday. I literally just chopped up six peppers and six onions. I was like, it's reasonable. Nice. So, so anyway, with the A, B, and C list, um, eat the foods that you're like, yeah, I have no problem with that. The ones that are like B, maybe introduce them every now and then, and then D, ignore it. You don't have to eat anything you don't like. That's one of the things. Like everyone thinks they have to force themselves to do things that they hate if they want to change, and uh, that's not true. Definitely not. Honestly, and again, I would advise against it. You know, force yourself through. You know, force yourself to challenge your palate don't force yourself to you know change your ways altogether it's like again like one of the Chris and and anybody who knew me obviously I was, a, I was a kid but you know a very very picky kid if you looked at a picky kid that was me I would literally wouldn't eat anything that wasn't yellow and yellow <laughs> yellow orange and red was my taste palette that was it and so what I did was just very slowly just 
you know, a very little bit, a 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 little bit, and eventually you just, it's not as grotesque on the tongue. But again, we're talking adults. I'm assuming most of you adults have been through that. You've changed your palate. Maybe you always like them. I'm sure there's one fussy get out there who's a bit like myself. I challenge you to change your palate, and I challenge everybody else to accept what you don't like and to, again, just start leaning into your strengths because there's probably loads of stuff that you're doing well already. So next question. We've already kind of covered now Chris's common question, how to, how to lose the pouch. You know, what what would any other common questions, Chris, that you get asked that you'd like to cover before we d- dive into yeah. it? Um, what's the best way to build muscle? Would you like to answer that? Do you want me to answer it? Um, so the best way to build muscle is to give your body a stimulus that it needs to change. So it needs to adapt to its environment. If you put uh, stress on your body, it gets better. You've got to stress it systematically and you can do that by lifting weights if you want to grow your chest get good at the bench press if you want to grow your legs get good at the squat if you want to grow your back get good at pull-ups it's it's that simple but eventually uh, when you do that you'll hit a plateau and if you want to keep building muscle you have to progressively overload and the way you do that is you can vary your volume or your intensity by doing a few different things one is once you have your routine established so, so Monday you do um, chest, uh, Wednesday you do back and biceps, and then Friday you do legs. So you have a three-day routine that's good enough. Um, you're getting, let's say, eight to ten sets in per muscle group per week at a certain weight, and the RPE, or the rate of perceived exertion, is about seven or eight out of ten. What you can do is you can in every single one of those exercises you can either increase the reps with the same amount of weight or you can increase the sets or you can increase this thing called time under tension which is how slowly you're moving the bar so if you are doing a bench press and you control down for let's say your normal set would be one two one two it's like that if you want to increase the time under tension you control down for three you go one two three and then back up for one and by doing that you just double the volume of that set so um or well the time under tension but the way that I find is easiest is to just add sets, add a set on. So if you start off, you're doing four sets of bench um, per week. Well, then you add that, add one to it, and you make it five sets per week. That's simple. And you do that with all of your movements. And you just keep doing that over five years, and then you're a tank. That's something I actually seen yesterday that was really interesting. It's like, here's a, here's a cool concept, is that let's say you did everything right. Let's say you got things 90% right. Most people still don't understand it's going to take about three to five years to get the body you want. It's like, mm. And that's it. And that's if you do everything right. Most people do things 50% right. Well, if you, no, if you do everything right, like you can do it within 12 weeks. Like it, it depending on where your starting point is. Like for you, if, I, if, if, um, if you were to just fully commit, do everything right, and you weren't getting your head hurt when you're training like 12 weeks, like you'd be absolutely jacked. No yeah, problem. No, 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 I, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm talking about like, but like if, we've, if we've someone who's who is like, let's say, like four stone overweight, so it's going to take a little bit, a little bit more time for them. Exactly. But it depends if, where your starting point is. If you did everything right in 12 weeks, what do you think you'd achieve in terms of weight loss? If you're, if you're what, four stone overweight, like it's, it's not, <clears throat> it's not unreasonable to lose two pounds i would say two pounds is it's, it's two not unreasonable to lose half a stone a month like some people will lose a stone in a month in their first month and then half a stone every month after that so yeah, sure. um but they like as you're doing this as well your capacity to work will go up like just because um you have fat over your body doesn't mean that you're not actually building muscle as well so if you want to build muscle progressively overload add more weight over time yeah it's that simple 
but also protein. You, know, you have to have the protein and calorie conversation as well. It's like, you know, you have to at least be eating at your maintenance calories. And then you need, I would just say, just go for it. Just go for a gram per pound of body weight. If you're obese, maybe go for a 0.7. So the way the way I would view that is that you I think um, when it comes to building muscle, I I trained with some powerlifters before as well, and their nutrition wouldn't be a hundred percent like it really wouldn't be. But it's not something that they focus on or anything like that. There and they're really really strong. They built um, a good amount of muscle, and I would say that like a, when it comes to building muscle, like hitting your protein optimizes it and makes it way more efficient, way way easier. But it's not necessarily like the most vital thing the most vital thing i think is the training stimulus like without your nutrition like if you don't have that stimulus like it doesn't matter how much protein you're eating it really doesn't matter how much like if you don't have the stimulus to grow it's not going to happen and you can still grow if you don't have like as much protein like if you're only hitting like 90 grams of protein or 80 grams of protein a day and you're still lifting real heavy you're still getting like you will still build muscle it just might not be as fast as if you are hitting your your exact amounts and you won't be getting as lean as well So there you go, and you won't recover as fast. Yeah, well, but again, like I mean, but an awful lot of it comes down to you know the quality of your training, and so good luck provide or good luck applying progressive overload to a body that's not recovering well. You know, it's like yeah, hundred percent. All over the place, you're not going to be able to perform. You're not going to be able to push. The risk of injury goes up. Etc. I would, I would say a bigger factor in that performance would actually be sleep. I would say that, like, so the way I would view it, if you're trying to build muscle. What you want to do is you want to be able to show up to your training sessions, you know, like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to go. And if you're showing up to your training sessions, you're tired. Like it's okay to have it like once or twice, so um, a week where if well, actually once or twice a week is a bit much if you're only training three times a week. Um, but if like once a week or maybe once every two weeks, so you show up, you're tired. That's not a big deal. But if you're showing up to every single training session, like oh, I have to do this, so you have no energy and all that sort of stuff. Because usually it's because your sleep is on point. Well, then you're like you're not you're almost wasting your time so actually we've already answered one of the questions can i spot reduce body fat next one is how long does it take to see results from my workouts which we're kind of already on so we might as well just kind of stay on that and so again maybe just get a little more specific on that you know let's so i i would say it depends based kind of on what you're saying you know it's like it depends on your sleep depends on this depends on that and so how again, long does it how long does it take to start seeing to, results? all right how long to start to see results um the most important part of the answer to this question is how are you measuring your progress mm-hmm. so you can see progress like within days if you really want like you really can like if your goal is weight loss and your goal is to lose body fat um, and get fit and build muscle and look and start living a healthier lifestyle and all that sort of stuff like it depends what the what the goal is if you want to see results like how are you measuring your results if you're only um you know how long does it take me to see results for my workout it's like what about an immediate endorphin boost it's like is that, Done. Is that, Boom. Is that that's a result you know it's like yeah. what about an immediate sense of self-satisfaction but right let's say what what are most people really want it's like how long how long should it take let's say i'm 80 percent committed to my nutrition because again i would say like i mean that's all you need to be is it all you need to be is 80 percent but that's, that's, that's my point. It's like, that's the gold standard. It's like, you know, who's really been 100%? So I would say, you know, let's say you've been 80%. Let's say you're on the ball, you know, Monday through Sunday until about 7 p.m. And then you have a bit of a wild one Sunday night, you know, between the hours of 7 and 9. And you maybe go over your calories or whatever that. But let's say for the most part, you're pretty pretty damn on the ball. Maybe, you know, one of the days you're five, 800 calories over. You're hitting your protein consistently. You're going to your training. You're an absolute novice. I want to see 
my body's starting to change. I've got three stone to lose, and I want to see some tone in the muscles. Like, how long is it going to take? It depends how uh, how much weight you're losing per week and how big your deficit is. So again, fighting fit standard. They're training train, train four days a week for their first week. They're training five days a week every day after that. They've got a 500-calorie deficit target per day. Maybe they're super active, so maybe it's 800 per day. So they're roughly losing about a pound to two, uh, to two a pound pounds. To two a pounds a week. Yeah, so, and there are what, three stone overweight? Why not? 28. Um, I'm trying to do maths. <laughs> uh, so if they lose roughly 30 something pounds, 38 pounds, 36 pounds, something like that. Um, so, like, if they lose, if they lose a stone, like, they'll see it. They'll absolutely see it. If they lose two stone, they'll see it more. If they lose three stone, Joe, they've hit their goal. But five pounds. Uh huh. Five pounds. Five pounds. Uh, I I find it very hard to notice uh, when I lose five pounds. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I lose five pounds, I'm like, did I? Did I? Like, I can still question it. Do you get me? It's like, ah, uh, you know what? Like, if I have a progress photo or something, I'll be like, oh, maybe it's a little bit like that. It could be light, and it might not be like five pounds. Use cheeks. Mm-hmm. That's five pounds. You think so? Yeah. So again, I would say I would say that it still comes down to genetics as well. Some people wouldn't lose it in their face till a wee while. So I think it is common for people to lose weight in their face, but I think that's usually around like if it was that three stone journey, that would be around halfway. I would yeah. say. Okay. So, but how long would it take to do that? Like, if you're losing roughly two pounds, um, one to two pounds a week, Joe, so that's <laughs> like that's a one to two pounds. Like, is a hundred percent difference in the rate at which you're losing weight like if you lose one pound a week versus you lose two like there's a hundred percent difference in that it'll take you half the time literally literally so, fast. yeah so i think that's also important to take note of how long will it take like it it, it depends on your starting point if you're three stone overweight it will take you if you're doing everything brilliantly it would take you roughly about 12 to 16 weeks to to do it that's so, what i would say especially for how long will it take to see results from my workouts that's the real question like how long how long until i feel like Fuck, this is worth my while. Yeah, so well it I think I think that's a really like bad question. It might it's be a really bad, bad But this is but, the kind of way that people are phrasing questions. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when I say but I want it to be I want you to sort of understand why it's a bad question. It's a bad question because it doesn't give parameters for success. And that's one of the things that coaches do is they give you parameters for success and they give you little roadmaps to do it. So like you start off when we, when you first uh, start training with us, you do the foundations program. The foundations program tells you exactly where you're at. And then how long will it take you to see one improvement in one of those things? So a lot of the adaptations or the improvements that you can get when you first start are coordination adaptations. And they can be done session to session. So like learning how to skip. You start skipping um, and you can only do like 10 before you trip up. And that's a very consistent number for you. You try and get it and you get 10, you get 10, you get 10. Then like you practice that in one session, then you practice again the next session, you're getting 12. That's You've seen results there. Does that make sense? But mm -hmm. like, I feel like the kind of person who would ask that kind of question would more than likely be disappointed with that little minimal improvement. Does that make sense? Like, that's not progress. It's not good enough to even register as progress. But like, as a coach, you can see that that's like one little small step, and then you do it again. There's another small step, and then all of a sudden, instead of doing twelve, you're doing twenty. Um, but it's still progress. So that's seeing see results. Um, if you train. In after three sessions, you're already fitter. Like you're already at, like a good bit fitter. You know how far you can like awareness of how much 
how hard you can work is also an improvement. So if you want to test your fitness and let's say on a scale of one to 10, you're, you do, you think you're a six, but then all of a sudden you're training, you find out you can push to a seven. Like that's progress that you just found out how hard you can push. Does that make sense? You're more aware of your own capabilities. That is also progression. Then the next time you go into a session, you're like, okay, I know I can work at a seven here. And you start pushing to a seven. Then you get the ability to do that more consistently. Does that make sense? So the, it depends how long will it take you to see progress. It depends on how you measure it. But if you measure it in certain ways, you can see it session to session. If um, you're looking at it in terms of building muscle, you know, like you're looking months. Yeah. And fat, so loss, like, I, fat loss, you're looking weeks. Yeah, exactly. So you're actual training performance in the gym, days, fat loss, weeks, muscle building, months. Perfect. Let's do it. Moving on. Right. So... How do I break through a plateau in my fitness progress? We kind of already touched on that, to be fair, with the, the training, up and the intensity, progressing, all that kind of stuff. Okay, the, with the, the best answer, though, to that, I think, is focus. So, you know, where attention goes, energy flows, and if you give your attention to something, you focus on it, it gets better. <clears throat> what, like, let's say me and you practicing muscle-ups, running muscle-ups, what's the first, what do you do? Like, we were stuck on it, what do we do? We focused on it. <laughs> we focused on it, we trained it more. And then you try and get better at it that way. And I think one of the biggest factors to that is the belief that you can get better. It's not like you can gain the ability to do something that you couldn't before. So like a ring muscle up for me before was like, like I'd look at the rings and be like, how does anyone ever fucking do this? How does anyone do this? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you do it once, you get kind of there to it. You do it again, you get kind of close to it. And then you kind of hurt your shoulder and you leave it for a little bit. You're like, I don't want to do that. That's a, it was a negative experience, but then you do it again. And then you get it or you get close to it. So I think um, if you want to progress or you hit a plateau, focus is what you do. So like one thing, if someone's like plateauing on their bench, I say, all right, well, now we bench twice a week instead of once a week. <laughs> and we overcome the plateau that way. Does that make sense? And we may, and we prioritize that session. We make sure that that session is a, is a tough session that we have energy for it. And so it, so it also depends on what you're doing. Like I, what I would also do if I was, plateauing on benches i wouldn't just keep benching i would try and get stronger in different areas as well you know like i'd try and get stronger triceps or try and get stronger my dip or trying to start like stuff translates over really really well too so i think that's also really important um sometimes like a lack of stability might be an issue as well so finding out what the limiting factor is as well is important and the only way you get that is by giving it attention giving it focus great answer yeah no very 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 good answer so next one What's the best way to prevent injuries during uh, my workouts? Um, all right, commit commit to good form. Uh, understand what technical failure is. So technical failure is where you are no longer strong enough or fit enough or have like the fitness integrity to maintain perfect form. So you no, know, even if you're trying and you're fully committing to it. So well, like let's say form, but really good form. It doesn't have to be yeah. Awesome, obviously. Yeah, like if you if you squat, Joe, and you can squat perfectly, but let's say you get to your tenth rep and your your form starts to break down, Joe, knees start caving in, or you start wobbling, or starts slowing down a lot, um, or the hips start shooting up too early, Joe, you're you're hitting technical failure there. So it's important. Like your goal should be to get your technical failure and absolute failure to the exact same thing, and that's basically what machines do. So if you have machines in a gym and you're using that, you tech technical failure and absolute failure are like it just brings those two really, really close together. So, like, if I was doing, let's say, dumbbell bicep curls, you know, and I start hitting failure, I can start cheating by just adding a little bit of a swing to it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but with a machine, 
So it's just the same control tempo through the thing. There's no wobbling. There's no nothing. You just pull until the muscle cannot pull anymore. It just gives up. Like no matter how hard you try, it just won't go. So you've hit absolute failure there. And there's no real tech technique breakdown, if that makes sense. No. That's, a, that's a very, very good answer. Um, but I would say that, yeah, line, lining, up, lining up biomechanically, like understanding what that looks like and just not loading your joints in a bad way is like, that's half of it. Like that. Yeah, no. Like 100%. The, the other side of the injuries are, you know, I pulled the muscle, you know, you didn't warm up properly. Maybe you're not managing your training load. Maybe, you know, you're just trying to fucking, you know, do legs, 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 legs with no understanding for the fact that you only have so much gas in your hamstrings that they need to actually recover and you can't just hit them again and again. You know, obviously mobility comes into it like for a talk sake. Like, let's say you're running football players often, you know, pull their hamstring or their glute. They're running, they're running, they're running. Runners often with their calves or whatever. It's like you're using this muscle, you're using this muscle, and there's an aspect of it that's maybe not been pulled along and been used effectively or optimally. And so it's too short, too tight, shuts down, and then generally causes a little bit of overwork <clears> in other areas, or that muscle itself becomes injured. And so it's like, right, okay, well, if you know, if we had more training in that one specific area of your hamstring, we could probably avoid this injury in the future. And so obviously, again, it depends on why you got injured. An awful lot of it can come down to posture and just bad position. And it's like, that's obviously, again, when you come to form, it's like if we're doing a bench press and your shoulders are just absolutely rolled into pieces and you can't do anything about it, you're just kind of stuck here. You know, well, that's probably going to lead to an injury. Not always, but probably going to bias you towards an injury because things aren't biomechanically situated. And so that's kind of where stuff like yoga and Pilates and mobility just train in general. Just understand, like, listen, there's proper positions for your muscles and joints. We all sit for seven to nine hours a day very very easily where bodies our body is adapting to that and getting pulled into that shape and anytime that we kind of start trying to be active outside that shape we're working against all the time that we constantly put in to our body adapting towards that shape and so it's a little bit of the balance towards the desk posture and the gym movements that you want to do and this is kind of why perfect form is so important it's like hey you know why well, why can't we achieve perfect form? Well, because your body's morphing to do something else. Like I know for me from years of boxing, like my body was designed and morphing into because of no mobility training and undoing of that. It's like I had my sitting to contend with and I had the boxing to contend with. My body was becoming a specialist at this rounded shoulder shape. And there was so many movements outside of that that just weren't valued and weren't prioritized. And for example, one of the things that happened, you know, tight hips and just ended up hurting my back because I was trying to bob and weave, but no squats or hip work or hamstring work or quad work to support the back and so you can just end up injured through trying to push through a bad system yeah so to, to that's a really good point to build on that and um, sometimes your mobility will limit you in your ability to maintain perfect form like one so one of the things that will make you lose your form faster is if let's say your hip flexors are tightened up pulls you into that or your adductors are tight pulls you into that seated position now if you're fresh you might actually be able to maintain that and fight against that but as soon as you start fatiguing those little tightnesses and those little chinks in the chain will start popping out and they'll start being aware the biggest one for me if it's squat like the biggest example is keeping your knees out and your fore, your your feet uh like active on the floor that's the biggest uh tell or not the biggest tell that's the biggest like 
thing that I see when people are squatting the hip fatigue that goes or they let their back around a little bit more or they let the hip shoot up and one of the things as a coach that we have to do all the time you know is just remind people hey form you're gonna hurt your back careful you know knees out chest up try and maintain it even if it's hard like it's really annoying uh like even if i'm doing a session you're trying to coach me you know i'm doing something and i'm starting to hit there i'm working real hard all my mental energy is put on push harder and then you're like fix your knees i'm like fuck off i'm trying to work here but at the same time joe you're only looking out for me to get my knees in a good position so i can work but let's say it would like challenge your ego to be like, no, my form's great. I don't know what you're talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And so again, I mean, that's, that's a massively important aspect of it is not pushing your way through stuff and being a gobshite and ego lifting. And so again, that's a massive part of it because when you ego lift, what are you doing? You're saying, you know, I'm strong. This way isn't shit. It's like, okay, well, let's see how that works out for you. It's like, you just lift whatever way you want with no principles. No, no. Lots of studies and, you know, experience out there to tell you otherwise. But, no, you just go on ahead. And for me, anyway, I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's what's all. you got to push your limits as well. And finding that line between pushing your limits and staying safe is... That's actually, that's actually another great point is that I've seen, seen a guy and he was kind of talking about, you know, you know, not every rep's going to look perfect. And then obviously we have to understand that as well. It's like when you're generally challenging and pushing your limits, you should, should probably see some form breakdown. If you don't see any form breakdown, you're probably not hitting that stimulus you need. It's like we, we can't be perfect. Now, obviously, you know, to a degree you can. You can maybe beat it in the long term with volume by just going, you know, perfect form for volume, for volume, for volume, for volume. But, you know, in, in the real world, you're going to start seeing some form breakdown. So, again, you're not expecting people yeah. to move lots. Yeah, hundred, hundred percent. So, like, one of the best examples that you want to look at this is to look at Olympic weightlifters in the Olympics. You see them do these unbelievable yeah, things, yeah, yeah, like yeah. unbelievable things, but then they'll catch at the bottom of their squat, and because they're at the edge of their ability, a knee will fucking come in, and then they're, yeah. they quickly readjust it, so, and then they're trying to get everyone back, uh, like in line, so they can push a little bit harder. Stuff wobbles and all that. When you're at the edge of your ability, stuff starts to break down, yeah. and that is also important. But like those guys, what you have to is that like they're not doing that every single week yeah, they're exactly. not yes. hitting that limit every single week that's like a once off every now and then and they still get injured when they do that when they do push past that, that thing so it's like it is dangerous but you know if you're going for gold joe sometimes it's worth the risk and yeah. uh i think it's important to be aware of that but exactly. if you're just if you're just joe soap and you want to you're trying to hit a squat pr for your instagram or whatever so you get all the validation all the likes I don't think that's necessarily a good justification to put your back, your legs, your body at risk. I don't agree. I don't agree. I feel like if the likes mean enough to you as the Olympics mean to them, go for it. But my point is if you're doing that every week, exactly what you said there is like, listen, if you're drilling and drilling and drilling and your biggest platform is your social media posts you've been building to for the last fucking 16 months and you feel like it's worth it, again, no, it's nobody's business to tell you what is and what isn't worth it. But my point, our point is as coaches is that up until that point, you should have been trying to train near absolute perfection it's like and if you yeah. drilled for absolute perfection and then on the day a couple of things started sliding out of place and you decide fuck it i'm going for it it's like listen that's reasonable enough to think but the key is, is like that guy in your gym whose form is falling apart every week in the squat as he's grunting and grinding and screeching and squealing it's like that's not a smart way to train he will eventually get injured no yeah no doubt, guaranteed i think i think there's a bit of a meme with deadlifts um on the internet and you know, people lifting with bad form so especially people who are like like new to the gym and were kind of strong or 
have been lifting for a little bit, so they'll hit a PR on their deadlift as a lad. It'll be something like 120 or 140 kilos. It's our first, like, sort of, like, real, real weight. You know, the back is running. I remember the first time we deadlifted when we were trying to do, like, our, like angry cats. That, that was what our spines looked like. But we got it up. We're like, don't care. Got I the lift. Remember, I, remember, yeah, I remember having the conversation. I think you were actually a little bit more um, focused on the form than me and Steve were at the time. We were like, up and down. Off the ground, up to the hips. <laughs> That's all that counts. That's all that matters. See the power. I feel like you guys got really mad at me now. I was like, guys. We did. We did. You're challenging our egos. Yeah. So. But it's still, in, if, in powerlifting standards, I think it still counts. Once you get more, it doesn't It certainly counts. But again, when you, like, at least for me anyway, it's like when I seen powerlifters lift, is like I was looking at that one rep where it was all falling apart. Not necessarily you know every perfect rep that they ever did in training leading up to that you know yeah if you <clears throat> if you ever train with powerlifters something that you'll see is like consistency yeah. like in terms of movement it's actually it's actually it's kind of it's kind of cool to watch like you see the, the step to it they'll put their foot in the right position to wedge it into the right position mm-hmm. put their other foot in the right position to wedge it in they'll get their feet tight they'll get their legs tight they'll get up tall tense ever enough so it doesn't move hinge very very precisely grab the bar the exact same way grab the other one yeah. maybe shake it maybe put like they'll have a little routine yeah, do that yeah, routine yeah. every single time yeah, yeah every single time bump 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 big brace and then pull with and every, like the cleanest form ever everybody sings a little bit different some people jimmy their knees some people have the arms out here some people pull their yeah. shoulders yeah. back yeah i like yeah. it yeah, yeah. there's lo- loads of different ways to do it but that that's what's really cool about power like this they slowly refine that over time and uh, that that's a really, really safe way to do it. And those people, even with that, they'll still get injured because of imbalances and all this other stuff as well. That's something I notice all the time. If you ever watch <clears throat> internet memes and stuff like that, or internet videos, the challenge videos, you know, the, 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 the gym fails, or not even yeah. the gym fails, people showing up, it's like, and they show up, and they lift a weight, and they act like they're a novice. I'm not joking. If somebody came into this gym and tried that on me, I like I don't ask like people sometimes I ask people but generally like, if I I'll see somebody doing exercise they're like oh what training have you done before it's like mm-hmm. I, this is not your first time doing that move and if you're going to start telling me it's your first time doing a move it's like I'm going to call bullshit it's like this yeah, yeah 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 you can tell like, straight away you know, it's like you're solid as fuck it's like people who it's like they don't know about their center of gravity and even if they're very aware it's like there's a couple of little subtleties that they're not aware and these people who've been doing it for years they just rock up to the bar pull it clean it's like listen listen. You stop that right now. Obviously, one of the one of the best ones is the old man, the old man one, where like someone will get like all the prosthetics and all that. Yeah. So they'll go to like a beach on or a gym beach, a beach gym in like Miami or California or something like that, and they'll start like doing all these lifts yeah. or muscle ups on the bars and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about the, the, the see the news? <laughs> one? There's one guy and he goes around. He pretends to be the janitor of the gyms and he's going around like yeah. single man. Su- suitcase deadlifting people's deadlift and wiping. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no Actually, idea. <clears throat> four times the width of him. No, 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 no. Just like this, like this. Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. Anyway, I think we might have time for one more question if it's a quick one. How can I stay motivated to exercise consistently? So one thing I would say uh, on that is go for it. You, have to, you have to become obsessed with it. That's what I would say. It's like realistically, realistically, if you wanna if you wanna exercise consistently, you have to tell yourself, like, yeah, you have to like it has to be one of your top priorities. Like that, that's what I would say is like if you want to exercise consistently, it, you need to highlight it in your life as something that is valuable to you. And it doesn't have to be top one or two or three. I would say if it's fat loss, it's probably going to have to move to the first, second, at least third because of the kind of, you know, 
the, the other things that are going to come the way. But it's like if you just want to exercise consistently, it's like firstly you have to enjoy it, and secondly, like you have to value it. It's like if you don't value it yourself, like nobody else can force you to exercise. It has to be something that you've decided upon yourself with your own values that this is something that I want to do and understand why you're doing it. And then obviously you have to pick an exercise practice that you actually enjoy so that way you can follow through and start building interest. And I would always, again, encourage people to become a student of whatever you're doing because, again, like I, I didn't give a shit about Olympic lifting until I started learning about it. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And so, again, if you're interested in it, if you feel like it's important and you enjoy it, you're probably going to be consistent with it. What about you, Chris? So uh, something <clears throat> that I try and watch or try and look up or try and learn as much as possible um, about regularly is motivation and how what motivation is, how it works, um, why it goes away, why it doesn't, all that sort of stuff, okay? And one of the main reasons, uh, one of the main things to keep you motivated is when you said, you know, it has to be a big priority. Um, it's keeping it front of mind, keeping it front of mind. One of the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why I see people fail in terms of fat loss is because they don't want, they don't want to keep it front of mind anymore. They actually, what they do is the opposite. They will try and keep it out of their mind. They're literally like, like just switch off, disassociate, whatever it is, and eat the cupcakes, eat the things so they don't have to think about their fat loss journey because of loads of different, let's say, emotional reasons. It might be the challenge is too daunting. They might not be believing themselves. Um, <clears throat> they might need to emotionally eat. They might have like some uh, stress management, uh, not tools, strategies that aren't cohesive to it, and they might have to let those go to do it. There's a load of different reasons why they won't keep it front of mind and just let it go. So like, let's say partying on the weekends, right? a big stressful week at work. Um, I don't really want to think about my weight loss right now because you know I'm really, real stressed and I want to have fun. And you know what's not conducive to fun, not being able to eat whatever I want, not being able to drink, all that sort of stuff. So to let it go out of the mind and then they won't focus on it anymore. So I think keeping it front of mind is number one. So how do you do that? You know, you set a goal and you commit to it and you need to decide, make that decision. This is going to be what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose this amount of weight in this amount of time. That's what I'm setting myself out to do. I'm going to make it public. I'm going to let other people do it and like talk to it about talk about it with other people but not like you've already did it and don't be looking for validation because one of the things that i see people that steals their progress from them is when they do it they talk about it like they've already got it <clears throat> and then they'll get validation for it and because they've already got the validation for it they don't really need to do it anymore so like oh you're great and they're like oh i'm great i did it <laughs> and then the motivation for doing it is gone but if you keep it front of mind and you actually focus on it I think that is the best way to stay motivated and like remind yourself of it daily. Have something to do it. Like what some people do is they'll have a picture on their fridge. You'll hear stuff like that there. Like they'll have a picture on their fridge on the wall or they'll set their screensaver on their phone. Um, or they'll do so, so silly stuff like that there. They'll have notepads on their walls. They'll have something that will remind them daily of the other, what their goal is. The other question is, well, it's like, yeah, you know, how do I stay motivated? It's like, well, what's motivating you? And it's like, what is motivating you? And so it's like, it's like, well, is it to lose weight? It's like, oh, well, then why aren't you motivated? Because so, if, if that generally was like, why are you doing this? Oh, well, I do because I really want to lose weight. Do you, do you, though? Do you really want to lose weight? It's like, because if you did, you shouldn't be asking the question about motivation. It's like, because realistically. Well, hold on. Let's go. Let like, okay, go, go. Sorry, sorry. Again, so for some people, what they want to do is they want to lose weight because they want to, you know, feel good about themselves. And so it's like, cool. It's like, here's the issue with that is like, you're a great person. You might feel good about yourself anyway. And so maybe that's not all that motivating. Maybe you want to look good. It's like, listen, maybe you put on, you know, a slightly bigger pair of pants and do your hair or get a haircut. It's like, well, now you, you kind of look, you look better. And so the key is like, 
what is actually motivating you? Like what motivates me personally is like, uh, like an awful lot of it is like self-satisfaction. Like I am very intrinsically motivated now after many, many years to the point where it's about me. But up until that point, like an awful lot of it was, you know, for validation, for, for validation from other people. It's like I wanted to, you know, be somebody in other people's eyes because I had a fucking chip on my shoulder because I felt like, you know, I was never anything growing up. Uh, nobody ever really liked me, blah, blah, blah. So, so I'm going to do this now is, you know, a, a vessel for me to get that feel. But it's like, what is actually motivating you? And I feel like the very important key thing is to get straight. It's like, what actually motivates you? It's like, so, you know, if it is getting... And you find that out. Well, you, need to sit, you need to sit down with yourself and have a good have a good talk. As Jordan Peterson said at one stage, it's like, you know, sitting if there, you know, it's like, I feel, I feel like your mind's pretty honest. I feel like what you said is like people disassociate and all this kind of stuff. It's like there's many mental gymnastics that people do in order to kind of get away from understanding what's really real with them. I feel like if you honestly just stand in front of the mirror and get fucking real with yourself and ask yourself like, what the fuck do I want and why do I want it? It's like stand there in your jocks, in the mirror, bare all just for yourself to see and say, right, how do I feel about this? What do I actually fucking want for myself? What can I what can I expect for myself? And then obviously again, don't expect a quick turnaround. It's like, but doing that really regularly, it's like, listen, why are we doing this? What are we trying to do here? And if you can look at yourself and stand with pride with your body flabbing all, if that's who, who you are and where you're at, it's like, and you're generally proud of yourself, it's like, well, that's why you can't lose weight, because you don't have a problem with it. And if you don't have a problem with it, that's cool, it's excellent. And then another part of it is like, why are you not motivated? If you're not motivated because you're not looking at the problem. It's like, do you stand there and address the problem every day or do you just ignore the problem and pretend that it isn't there. It's like that, maybe that's why you're not motivated. Maybe, again, as you said, it's like the focus on the problem. What is the problem? What motivates you really? And so it's like, if it's validation, it's like, well, fine. It's like, stop being a recluse. Go and talk to these people that you want validation for and tell them what you're doing. Commit to the, the things. Like one of the biggest things, I want, I want validation from my clients because I want them to respect me because I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I tell my clients when I'm going to do something, I say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, watch. You know, it's going to happen kind of thing. And yeah, I, I, that's that's something that I I, I like to do because I feel like that motivates me. It motivates me to kind of get people saying, "Oh fuck, that's amazing!" And then they start doing stuff like that. And then that, but again, it all started from a place of just going, you know, it is. I'm not happy with my standing in myself and or in other people. To be fair, so I'm going to start working on that. And I, as soon as I kind of started, you know, building on that, and again, I think that you'll find that people, if you're around the right circle of people, will give you a high five a, a lot sooner than you think. If, if you do something right twice, you know, if you're in the right circle of people, they're like, fair fucks you, Jesus, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think it's also important to see, to know, or to note that people will sabotage you. That's what I think is hilarious. Like, people will look at you, yeah, some people will, will look at what you're doing, they'll see that you are doing better than them, or in this one area, that's all, like, not that they're actually better than them, but, um, and then they'll start being like, oh, it's a bit much, or... Oh, Jace, I don't know how you do that every day. Jace, that's mad. I can't believe you do Like, they'll say little things like that there to just, like, just take away from, from what you're doing. Only because, you know, they feel like they should be doing something similar and they're not. And um, that, that can of, happen an awful lot. A lot of the, the time people, unconscious to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes and, it's conscious. You need to cut those people out. No, well, no, I don't I don't think you, you should cut them out. I really don't. Like, I think I think it's it's a very human thing to do. It's very, very normal and natural. And I think, um, but you, I think it is something to be aware of. I Like, I don't, I actually would advise against if you catch someone doing this to you, like, calling them out on it and all, it's only going to cause more conflict. Call them out and cut them out. That's how you say it. Cut them out. 
Yeah, it's like it's your <laughs> it's it's your brother. It's your brother that's doing it to you. Yeah, cut him out. You can, no, because you have to deal with people. Like you see, you have to you have to deal with people all the time. And I think um, the like the best thing to do in that in that situation is to you know, kill it with kindness, um, or just you know, lead by example. Lead by but, that's that's the much better one. I completely agree with that. You should lead by example. It's like, and not only that, it's like one thing I learned from David Goggins, one of my favorite things, but it's like learn to love stuff like that. That's a great sign you're going the right direction. If you hear anybody trying to put a limit on you and all they're doing is expressing their own limits to you, and like nine times out of ten, it's not coming from a bad place. It's coming from a place of love and empathy, and they're just putting themselves in your shoes and expressing that to you. And often enough, you know, if you're struggling to kind of keep going, sometimes that can kind of feel like they're pulling you back, and that can be a little bit demotivating, and that can kind of kill your momentum a little bit. Unless, like, again, you, you have a look at that frame, and it's like, good, I'm glad. It's like, oh, like, uh, the, the, the podcast with Joe Rogan is like, uh, or, or maybe somebody else is like, you know, say something, say something, like, say something, like, I'm doing something crazy, and you, and you don't like it, or, or you, know, you don't like it, you can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe you do that. That's mad. Why are you jumping off cliffs for fun? That's so oh, dangerous. Man. Love it. You're just right. So dangerous, man. I fucking, I live and breathe for this stuff. Rock climbing, that must be so bad for your fingers. Oh, man. Listen. This I've got the strongest. <laughs> like I got the strongest fingers ever. Okay, I crush, crush this laptop, my fingers. Whatever it is, like, so again, we just learned to internalize and kind of, you know, what it is like. Yeah, that's that's me separating myself from the norm. And most people, you know, quote unquote, in the norm, it's like, you know, it's like they're not they're not doing a whole pile to challenge themselves because it's really really hard. And so anytime that you step outside that, it's like a lot of people aren't going to understand you. And if that's where you're at and you're looking to grow, it's like that's a good sign you're in the right place. One thing I realized like ages ago was that a lot of people around me would try and limit me through love. You know, it's like, oh, just, oh, that, that I, I don't think that's good for you. Or the, the way that it would be communicated is like, oh, that couldn't be good for you. Because they, because they, 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 they would not do it in case it broke them or injured them. You're stepping outside of that and growing towards you understand that this is good for you, given the fact that you're managing your training loads and all this kind of stuff and you're doing it the smart way. It's like, yeah, I'll be honest with you. If I was you, I wouldn't do it either. I wouldn't run a half marathon. You'd fucking die. <laughs> you yeah. probably your ankles, your knees, your back, and it'd be the last thing you ever done. For me, it's great. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a very good point. So, guys, we are literally out of time. Christy Vent, Dad. Um, yeah, if you want to be motivated, have a clear vision of what you want, a very, very clear vision. Imagine what it would be like to hit it, get as emotional as you possibly can. Emotional experiences have weight to them in your mind or in your mentality. If you <clears throat> are talking to someone about it and you're really overweight and <clears throat> you open up to them, <clears throat> let's say you have a wee cry about how you actually really feel, you know, you'll remember that experience. That'll be a very, very impactful experience to you. And something that happens all the time when we're coaching or we have coaching calls, you know, it'll be a very emotional sort of conversation because we'll be unpacking lies and, um, you know, like just disappointment and self-deception, all this sort of stuff and how like someone has let themselves down over and over again. But after they have that emotional experience and they let it go, you know, when you tell them like, it's normal, it's fine, it's happened before, um, that emotional experience, you know, they can call back to that and that will let that, that will help motivate them through when things get tough. That will help remind them. It will be a very, um, let's say, weighty experience for them. So emotion uh, and motivation are very, very uh, interlinked. Awesome. Love it, Chris. Thanks so much for your insight as always. You're an absolute legend. Welcome back. It's nice to see you again. That's good to be back. Miss it. All right. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We'd appreciate so much if you could drop us a follow, hit the like button, subscribe, 
and hit the notification bell because obviously that means you'll be notified anytime we release the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. Feel free to comment any questions that you have below regarding the podcast or just any health and fitness questions in general. We'd love to do our best to answer them. But apart from that, guys, we will see you in the next one. Have a nice week. Have a nice life. Peace.